Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One, two, three, four. Filled with odd fright. See Jurassic Right. Bathed in ember light. See Jurassic Right. See Jurassic Right. Right, right. See Jurassic Right. Right, right. See Jurassic Right. Right, right. See Jurassic Right. See Jurassic Right. See Jurassic Park. Ah, well, I don't know. Where's all the screaming coming from? I'm so excited. We haven't uh, talked in a while on jurassic things. It's Perry Nimeroff from Collider. Hi, hi. Hey, Yay. I am good. But I, I feel like Penny Lane would probably, you know, try and unplug some cords. So <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm dealing sick. with that problem on the regular right now, except uh, Dewey's pretty chill at the moment. He is curled up in my lap, so if you hear any rustling in, like, the next 30 minutes, it's because my leg has completely fallen asleep <laughs> and I have to move. Oh, that's always... I mean, look, that's these are the sacrifices we make for our pets. You would not so, believe the amount of sleep I lose at night because Dewey needs to be in a certain position and I won't let myself move and <laughs> risk waking him. Oh, of course, you can't. I mean... That's we're we're selfless beings for that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad to chat with you again about all this stuff because yeah, last time we talked it was before Fallen Kingdom came out. And I mean we'll 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 get to the ranking things and all that stuff at first. But I mean in general, like what was 
yeah, I guess how did it match your expectations versus, you know, how you like your first impressions, I guess. I, I had a lot of feelings about it. So I did come out of my first screening largely positive, but there were a lot of little details that really bothered me. I remember getting really hung up on the idea that the volcano was never firmly established <laughs> in the movies. Like, I know, I know it's a book thing, and I know it's technically there, but how do you make such a big deal out of something that is literally never, ever <laughs> referenced on screen before? It's funny. I... I don't know if you've watched them at all, but the Lego Jurassic TV series that they like kind of flew under the radar last year, I just started watching it. And there's a moment where because it takes place during the events of Jurassic World and somebody's like, oh, you know, go meet me. Like, I'm over by the volcano, Mount Sebo. Oh. And and then Hoskin, like Vic Hoskins, the Vincent Interferes character is like volcano. And it's like, yeah, the big mountain that sometimes spews smoke out. And he's like, and it just shows like Lego Vic, like look up and see this volcano. And he's like, oh, <laughs> like Did just I never. That? It's it, it's funny. I think you would love it because okay. the, the creators of the Lego series seem to have such a deep respect and knowledge for canon, weirdly, like more than anybody else. And it's it's kind of a hilarious send up in a way that feels like loving. I don't know. Where can I watch it? Uh, I think now you can watch it on Amazon. And okay. then I actually just bought a DVD. I think your comment of that is such a big, it's such a large thing to just introduce out of nowhere. Yeah, that that felt like a little bit of a leap to me. And, you know, the other things that I got really hung up on were, like, especially on first watch, you, you read my article, you know, I warmed up to these types of things eventually. But I was really feeling the first half of the movie when it was all about them going to the island to try to rescue the dinosaurs. There were so many pieces of that that just, you know, it brought me right back to the beginning. I couldn't watch all of that action and where they were today without thinking about where it all started. And I liked that feeling. But then the second they took the dinosaurs, off, the action off the island, and we saw dinosaurs in a mansion... I was just like, whoa, this feels like two different movies. What a switch. There was really no segue into this. And then on top of that, you're going to auction off dinosaurs for a $4 million starting price. That's just <laughs> flat out stupid. <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, in this economy, right? <laughs> in like the way movie franchises work, it sometimes you feel like some movies are rushing to get to a certain point because they don't want to like wait for a sequel. And in this case, sometimes it, almost, it like it, I felt like there was a moment where, Oh, the whole rescuing the dinosaurs could be its own movie. And yes. then the whole mansion thing released to the mainland could be its own movie, but they didn't want to wait. And I also think they wanted to get to dinosaurs like across the world sooner. So they didn't want to like leave that up to like Jurassic world four or mm -hmm. whatever. Which I get. I mean, you know, woulda, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I could yeah. say that kind of stuff all day long. And I, I have grown to appreciate the format of the story a little more. But I do think that there was there was a much stronger story in keeping the entirety of Fallen Kingdom on the island dealing with the fallout of the volcano erupting. And then it could have been a really interesting, uh, you know, tonal and size shift to make the mansion stuff a little smaller 
It's yeah. like I wouldn't have minded if that scenario was more of a spin-off movie with completely different characters. Like, could you imagine if just, you know, one semi-unconnected character managed to smuggle a dinosaur off the island and was doing this low-key thing in his maybe not an, a gigantic mansion, but almost like a, you know, like a creepy black market type of thing. Oh, totally. And and you could even do something like Michael Crichton's original idea for Jurassic Park, which was like a college student makes a dinosaur. Yes. You could kind of like retrofit that idea to kind of be in the spirit as well. And there were still there were a lot of ideas from the book that could have come back strong, but they they just they didn't tap into any of that. But, <laughs> you know, we we are where we are right now. And the main reason that I've come to really enjoy and I enjoyed Fallen Kingdom on my first watch, you know, I'm. Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) I love this franchise and I know that I have a constant desire to step back into this world. You give me a story in this world and I will probably be happy to be there. But I can still assess the quality of the movie and I know that this one has that weird shift in the middle and some major logic issues. But one of the things that I've grown quite attached to in it is how Fallen Kingdom kind of mirrors the format of lost world yeah so if jurassic world was jurassic park all over again in a sense the same could be said for lost world and fallen kingdom with a significant portion of the movie taking place on the island and then moving over to the mainland and dinosaurs getting out and of course you know they've got different endings and a lot of different details in there but i kind of I don't know. There's there's something about the mirroring of the storytelling format that makes it more meaningful and makes the the overall themes of the entire franchise a little stronger. Yeah. Well, and you wonder because, yeah, it's almost like Lost World was two thirds island, one third mainland and Fallen Kingdom is one third island, two thirds mainland. Mm -hmm. But like having that it's and it's funny, too, because I've never been like. The Lost World, I, I obviously, again, I'm like you, I love like hand me anything. I will eat it up for Jurassic, but I've never been I've never been the biggest Lost World movie. Fa- like it's never been my like favorite thing. But then somebody was like, oh, it's like the structure of King Kong where it's the island and then the mainland. Like and I was like, oh, that's cool. I never thought of that as like a format of a genre, like of a monster movie film. And then I was like, wait a minute, that that makes me appreciate Lost World even more. Yeah, I've always been a sucker for Lost World <laughs> since <laughs> since day one of seeing that movie. I felt hard for it. If anything, my appreciation for Fallen Kingdom makes me like Lost World more as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I also had this idea. I mean, again, our, I think our love for Jurassic World also stems from like wanting to see the open park. But in oh, a we- absolutely. But in a weird way, I think with the way Fallen Kingdom is, you know, has this volcano, it's like you don't even need Jurassic World. Like it could have been new characters saving dinosaurs from being on the island since the original. Like it weird like Fallen Kingdom has this yeah. weird problem where like it like almost makes Jurassic World weirdly irrelevant sometimes. I mean, obviously we have Claire Owen and Blue, but like, you know, it's just like it's a it was a I really See, wonder, yeah, what was that? I would, I would pull back on that because that, again, I think is the key to, you know, refuting that argument that Jurassic isn't really a full franchise because, 
since day one of this story, it's always been about, you know, humans taking and making things before they think about whether or not they should and about repeating the same mistakes. Ooh, so it's yes. like when you think of the the second trilogy as yet another repetition of the same set of <laughs> mistakes. I mean, and it, it's so logical, too. You know, if someone really brought back dinosaurs like this, people would do dumb stuff with them. <laughs> oh, for sure. I was, I was going to say, it's like poetry. It rhymes, to quote our friend <laughs> George Lucas. Well, so I, I also want to hear your thoughts on Battle of Big Rock because yes. last, God, was it last year? Last year already? Yeah. So surreal to think. I mean, to me, that's been the exciting thing. I feel like Collider has been more than any other professional mainstream you know news media site i feel like you give jurassic a lot of love more so than like other sites and like i was just counting like collider has broken so much news about dominion jurassic world dominion like is it kind of exciting to to be part of you know you love this franchise and then the place that you you know work for and write for and you know do mm -hmm. video content for gets to break all this cool yeah. news. Yeah, well, I certainly can't take credit for breaking <laughs> any of those stories. There are a couple of fine folks on the website who have these wonderful connections and get those great opportunities. But yeah, it it, it is one of the many reasons that I am excited to be part of a brand like that, and in particular with Battle at Big Rock. I think one of the highlights of 2019 for me was being able to see that short projected on the big screen, then be there for that conversation <sighs> with Colin Trevorrow after where they announced the return of so many iconic characters. It was just, it really was an incredible night. And the crazy thing, I remember exactly when that happened too, because I think it was roughly a month before I was running my first marathon that I'd been training for, for like half a year at that oh, point. Wow. And I ran out of the apartment in such a craze because I was so excited that I am the idiot who stubs her toe and breaks it. And no. it, was, it was a month before my race oh and my I was God. devastated. I remember driving to the arc light in tears, but refusing to turn around despite how much pain I was in. I was going to go to that screening. Wow, I had no idea because I, I saw you briefly <laughs> there. Things were a little bit nuts at the end because everyone was like, you know, saying hi to Colin and Emily and all that stuff. That's why I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, that was that was a night. That was a night. But I was glad <laughs> I got to be there. And it turns out, you know, as long as your broken toe is not out of alignment, you can continue to run. Oh, so you ended up doing oh, the did. marathon. Yeah, yeah I did it. Well, I was going to say, I feel like actually the last time I ran into you was the Jurassic. Oh, yeah. Uh, 10k 5k i forgot and that I, was that was the week after i think it was the week or the second week after my marathon oh wow what what you ran a marathon and well i guess then it would seem pretty easy after a that. little bit i did a i did the full marathon then the weekend after that i ran a, a 5k for charity with a friend and then the weekend after that it was the the jurassic 10k you were just cooling down you know yeah really um, i haven't run since <laughs> oh that's all well, i know i have i swear I mean, there's there's only so many ways you can get out during the pandemic right now. Oh, that's yeah. for sure. But uh, what did you think of Battle of Big... I mean, seeing it on the big screen was, like, unreal. But, like, as a Jurassic, you know, I, I, I mean, I also, like, I'm not going to throw it into my rankings because it's not a feature film. But what did you think of it in general? Oh, it would be pretty high up if I could throw it into my rankings. I actually think that Battle at Big Rock, in some ways, has come the closest to that movie magic that they captured in the first film. 
I think some of the visuals are more successful in that tiny short than any of the features. There, there really is that reach out and touch it vibe. And I don't know, the sound design, especially, especially in the theater on the big screen, it just, yeah. it consumes you. And, you know, whether we're talking about Jurassic or any other film out there, one of my favorite qualities of any story is when you know, it's a crazy situation that I may never really find myself in, but the story is told so well that it challenges me to wonder, what would you do in that situation? And that's exactly the feeling that that short gave me. It's like, if dinosaurs are out there running around, what would I really do if I had an <laughs> encounter with one? Oh, I... A hundred percent. It's I want to get your thought, thoughts on this, too. But sometimes the hard part, I think, that Jurassic has since the original is that idea of like us seeing a dinosaur for the first time and and having people witness it for the, so it's like i think battle of big rock was successful because it was just a normal family mm -hmm. who just gets to see this for the first time like you said it, like what would we do that sense of awe is still there like it's a very scary situation it's also a very well executed thrill like just no, the way I, all of that is shot no it was i you know as far as you know, thoughts on who's directing what and all that stuff. I feel like whatever you think of Contra as a filmmaker, I definitely think you can see that there was a step up since the last time we saw him. I think that oh, without a doubt, it there was just something. And I think the way he the actors were so well done, like perfect kid actors peril. I mean, when the Allosaurus is going for that baby, you're just like, ah! <laughs> I was freaking out. I was freaking out the first time watching it on my computer. <laughs> but he's I really do think that Colin Trevorrow has the goods. It's just, you know, whenever you're talking about a feature film, there's so many moving parts. You could have the best intentions and the best ideas in the world. And maybe something doesn't come together quite as well as you originally thought. But I'm just I'm very hopeful that maybe Battle at Big Rock was, you know, almost like a little bit of a of a prepper to jump into Dominion. And maybe to recapture all of that magic, to test it out, because that's that's what shorts are for. They're for learning and for growing, especially someone in his shoes where he's got that third opportunity no matter what. So we might as well test it out. Oh, for sure. And I mean, at least certainly right now, Dominion is not under the gun of release dates. It's not like, you know, to compare J.J. Abrams, who had to jump into Star Wars mm -hmm. and had like, what, less than a year or like a year to prep and shoot and all that stuff. Like Dominion literally shot for a week, I think, before they had to take a break because of the pandemic. And I'm sure plenty of filmmakers are using this time right now to look back at their scripts and kind of, you know, maybe do some more cons. I don't know. I mean, who yeah. knows? Who knows? This is unprecedented, but maybe more time is a good thing. If there if there is a, you know, a silver lining to such a terrible situation that we're <laughs> exactly. dealing with right now, it, it you know, it is the the opportunity to take a step back, revisit your story and really refine things. I mean, it's to me and to go back to that night. I mean, also that night, I feel like I'd, I've become cynical about Hall H and that kind of stuff. But, it, mm -hmm. you know, over the years, but in a way, being there that night with everybody and like seeing everyone's reactions and having Laura Dern come out and it, it truly I was like, oh, yeah, this is what that like those kind of magical, quote unquote, 
you know, Comic-Con Hall H moments are like, I feel like that's what they're kind of all about. And I was like, wow, Jurassic Park fans, that is kind of few and far between for us. And I feel like that was that night was kind of part of that. Oh, absolutely. There there was a real warmth to that event, too. I was happy that we didn't do it in the biggest possible theater at Arclight because it felt more intimate. And that's what you want whenever you have a Q&A opportunity <laughs> like that. The smaller the room, the better. So, you know, you could really feel like you're up in someone's face in the front row and really part of the conversation. Oh, 100%. And yeah, I mean, and just to have Laura Dern just come out. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I was, and, I was losing it. It's just like, am I in the presence of... Uh, of greatness uh, <laughs> yes you are I, yes um but you know that idea of this i mean it's to, again to point to you know a lot of the news that collider broke it, you know rev- it, being being the ones to exclusively say that the part of the supporting cast from jurassic world and part of the supporting cast from fallen kingdom are coming back jake johnson and omar sai and then daniela panita and justice smith like yes. i feel like Again, to go back to that franchise thing, it's like we've never this movie now has more returning Jurassic cast than new. It's unprecedented, which is very, very exciting. But this is where some of my hesitation comes in. Again, I have a lot of faith in Colin Trevorrow, especially because he's had so much experience within the franchise at this point. It's just, you know, after the amount of Malcolm we got in Fallen (laughs) Kingdom, I just want to make I. As much as I want to see all of my favorite characters return, I want them to return with purpose. I would rather have them not come back at all unless they have a significant role. And a significant role doesn't just have to mean all the screen time in the world, but I want their characters to serve a purpose in the overall story. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm feeling more confident as well because I don't think you can say that Laura Dern is going to be is going to have a significant like it you know malcolm was able to just sort of show up as just not really a character in a way but more of like just kind of a familiar face that gets to spout these kind of philosophies but if you have our heroes you know the the trio coming back for an actual adventure i mean you, you sort of have to do a little bit more work i feel like to justify it yeah i don't know if that i can't figure out what the most likely thing is for them to do. And also, as I was explaining that, I just immediately went back to Jurassic Park 3, where Laura (laughs) Dern gets a minimal amount of screen time, but technically she plays a big, big part in that plot because otherwise they wouldn't have gotten rescued. That's a good point. Thank God for Ellie. The river, (laughs) sight And Charlie, Charlie, Charlie telling her about the dinosaur man. Yeah, I I wonder... And for me, that I mean, I've been saying a lot on this podcast over the last six months, having them return and having at least Laura Dern confirmed to be more supporting or more mm-hmm. significant to me, it's more puzzling, but makes me excited because, I, yeah, like I can't think of like what, how, what, you know, like I can yeah. I can see how, you know, Claire and Owen's adventures and Macy, I can see what what kind of adventures in my head they could get up to. But yeah, what like what forces Ellie Sattler to be like, well, you know, I've just been teaching and writing books like what's how, you know, and and I feel like they are going to be smarter than just kidnapping people again. And well, what's, you know. what's your guess for what Dominion is going to be? I, I don't I feel like because mm, I definitely don't think they're going to go. I mean, in, in some worlds, I could see them doing the Planet of the Apes thing where it's mm-hmm. like, 
there's some sort of disease brought on that makes it so it's easier for dinosaurs to, you know, to swarm around the earth or whatever. But I, I feel like they probably would have be avoiding that, especially since the original screenwriters for Jurassic World were the people that wrote the Planet of the Apes movies. But uh, I feel like it. Ha- See, I, I honestly have no idea other than I don't think all the dinosaurs like I feel like I know the ending is that like it's just going to end with. It's not Dinotopia per se, but like, you know, I don't like I don't see this franchise ending like with all the dinosaurs dead. Like, but that's about as far as I. I think I'm going I'm going the opposite way. Like, I I just think it's going to end on a beat that feels very, you know, rise of the planet of the apes. Like they will take over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I was going to say it's like if if they don't flash forward 20 years, but it's just. Mm Yeah. I never know. I think. Because Colin has made comments of like, you know, there's not going to be more hybrid dinosaurs. There's not going to be dinosaurs invading cities, which I I wouldn't have thought that's the direction that this franchise would go anyway. But I just think maybe it's just I. I, Yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like Macy is going to be really important and Blue are going to be really important. I think they're going to be whatever they're doing is like the MacGuffin or like not the MacGuffin, but like Mm -hmm. they they get kidnapped or their DNA is needed for something or and then everyone else is kind of like brought back into the fold. And maybe there's something that Ellie Sattler and Dr. Grant, like maybe there's something they know or they're involved with. I mean, it, it feels like Macy and Blue have to be the key. Yeah. Like, like whatever I, they have needs to be the game changer. Yeah, and it could either lead to extinction of all life or like it, I think it has to be about tying dinosaurs and humans together. Like I feel like the franchise has always been about that hubris of like we brought them into this world, you know, and so now we're responsible for them. And so I feel like we have to Yeah, it's like we can't live one without the other now or something. It's got it's got to be a comment on that idea. I'm just trying to think thematically what would be most in line with what they started and maybe more specifically what would be more in line with everything that Malcolm was preaching about at the very beginning, like something to make it all come full circle. Oh, for sure. I mean, something about chaos, but life circle finding a way. (laughs) I'm also a little concerned about the possibility that it's going to end in a place that feels like it's all just beginning again. (laughs) Maybe it's because I've gotten this idea in my head about humans making the same mistakes over and over, but it's just like, like, what if the big thing is they all got to come together and make sure the dinosaurs like stay in one area. And then all of a sudden we're back where we started. No, I hate that idea too. I hate the sanctuary idea. I hate finding an Island for them to be on. Like, I hate all that shit. Like, it's just, it that just feels like going back. What if they put the dinosaurs on a spaceship and they give them another planet? <laughs> all right, all right, I'm I'm all aboard for that one. Well, and that's where you could have your Fast and the Furious crossover. Oh, this all makes sense now. <laughs> Universal well, will have a mega mega franchise on their hands. Well, there was a great dead. I think it was Deadline article about because it's I I mean you, that idea of going full circle and and bringing back all these characters. It almost like this article, this deadline article was comparing, like looking at Jurassic more as like a like a like the Fast and the Furious franchise where by their fifth or sixth entry, it was instead of like closing the door, it was setting up the pieces for more. And so I wonder if they're bringing back all these characters because 
then from here we can spin them off we can have them we can justify like them becoming the likable the likable the like lovable side characters you know that we continue to see them in all these movies from now on like you know for a, yeah. you know setting up for a future That's, jurassic trilogy or tv show or it's a very uh very studio blockbuster <laughs> approach to all of it it's and you know <sighs> You know me well enough with these movies at this point. I'm never going to say no to any of that. But I also, I wish that the trend in Hollywood became going smaller with blockbusters. Because I know that these big ones still make a lot of money. But could you imagine a, you know, a mid-range budgeted Jurassic movie that felt deeply personal and contained? I think it would still make a ton of money. They wouldn't have to spend all that much on it. And maybe it would be... I don't know, a more in-depth character study. As excited as I am to see this enormous ensemble, I I get such anxiety thinking about the possibility of each one of them only getting a teeny tiny amount of screen time. Well, and also, I mean, if we look at the history of the franchise, so many moments are with one or two dinosaurs at a time. It's, I mean, other than the Gallimimus scene... Uh, you know, the the hunters seen in, in Lost World, like maybe the group of compies, but like a majority of moments are with one or two dinosaurs. So a TV show mid-range budget or not even a TV show, a, an actual movie mid-range budget, I think is totally, you know, you only need one or two dinosaurs. It's not like we have to have yeah. herds and herds of them. Even so- a concept like uh, Big Rock. You know, you you meet that family as they're going off on their camping trip. They're dealing with whatever, you know, personal family things that, you know, add layers to their story. And then, oh, my, it just so happens that, you know, out of the forest comes a dinosaur. <laughs> well, the, yeah. And I, I really liked all that um, that found footage at the end. It was kind of fun. Yeah, that see. But that's the thing that made me want more of that. <laughs> it's like just... if he made a short film about each one of those scenarios. I don't know. I, th- I think there's something to it. Yeah, I know. I think I de- something to the anthology format. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if I mean, the Jurassic TV show news kind of got buried, I feel like, right when all this uh, pandemic stuff happened. But I, I feel like that's the only direction you can go in for that sort of thing. It's it's an interesting thing to think about when I don't know, I feel like the the landscape of the television industry is just changing so drastically right now. And I also feel like a lot of my ideas about where certain franchises were going is going to be completely obliterated by what we're going through right now. Cause yeah, yeah dominions a long ways away, but this isn't something that we're just going to like snap back from. I think the entire nature of, you know, the entire experience of going to the movies is going to be completely turned on its head for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I know, I mean, I'm curious to know how the trolls movie did. I mean, I rented it. (laughs) How was it? Uh, It was fine. I mean, it was fine. I'm I'm so curious on the metrics of that because in a way, maybe that like this could create a world where there is the Jurassic World Dominion that's huge, but then maybe there's these smaller budget ones that go directly on streaming because now it's a world where we definitely aren't going to the theaters as much. And it's an industry that can't necessarily just support one big movie, you know, a summer yeah. or yeah, something like that. Oh, I can't I can't even begin to wrap my brain around <laughs> it, but I do know for sure that I want I want lower budgeted Jurassic movies. I mean, just think about how many films out there are 
you know, filmmakers taking crazy creatures, but making the most of very little. I mean, one of the first things that just popped in my mind because it's one of my favorite movies is something like Attack the Block. I mean, oh, that's yeah. a super low budget alien invasion movie. And then you can go to a classic like Jaws showing less, you know, makes it scarier. It, there's a million and one examples of not blowing your budget on crazy CG. Well, and and I think that's the fun of it right now that the dinosaurs are on the mainland, like we can have them be in situations that are like really funny and interesting. I mean, I, I think I said it on another episode but like you could see a joe exotic tiger king situation oh but with <laughs> the raptor king you oh know my <laughs> that is so disturbing but that that would work like that you can really work you could see somebody like that you can i mean i mean there are already shades of that in this franchise true yeah i mean in fallen kingdom there was some mention from toby jones's character about like some rich person wanting a baby triceratops for their kid you know oh. <laughs> <laughs> i know it's it's so i mean it yeah it, there's so many opportunities why why does it have to be the 200 million dollar thing like there's there's so many story opportunities here i mean and again if it's about animals if it's about science and human nature and hubris and all that good stuff like you can tell that at any scale mm -hmm. i was also just thinking you know a, a jurassic mini movie along the lines of something like a quiet place Ooh, yeah uh, like something with that tone and that vibe to it would really work I'm so curious what Dominion's going to be like of how much of it is going to be. It's funny because and th this will be a good segue into our the main topic. But as much as I love because Fallen Kingdom is is very high up on my list. I I mean, I I just tweeted today, ride or die for it. But um, the animatronics are what I really like about it. But then part of it. Part of Fallen Kingdom feels small in a sense because you notice that scenes are just built around having an animatronic in the center mm -hmm. of the scene and that like it's necessary. And I think it made it like to me, the blue surgery scene or Rexy yeah. in the in the in the cargo hold like those are really great moments. But, um, you know, that's just like another I think that's another, you know, good criticism of the movie too is that so much of it is just built around animals being stuck indoors and it's just like you know i want to see an animal like roaming in the mountains or you know a dinosaur roaming in the mountains or something within reason yeah <laughs> i, I oh. happen to have just watched jurassic park 3 the other night so it's fresh fresh on my mind right now and <laughs> You know, even some of the, uh, you know, the the wider shots of a significant amount of dinosaurs just, uh, they just don't have the same feeling. Well, and I, I feel like, a, I mean, look, we love ILM. They're doing great work. But, you know, that those those scenes in the plane, it's like oh, you God. just there's just copy and pasted, you know, <laughs> like how how would that island be able to sustain like 20 brachiosaurs like that is insane <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's a lot of things in that movie that don't quite line up but hey <laughs> i'm not gonna knock it because it's still a decent adventure there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you did this wonderful ranking, and it really got me to the thinking about the idea of, because for me, and I don't know about you, but my rankings change all the time. It's mm -hmm. mood. It's it's. Obviously, it's based on like, you know, when a new movie comes out, it's kind of exciting to like shake up the ranking and to to kind of rewatch things and stuff. So in your article, you did. Oh, where is it? I printed it out. <laughs> um, you know, you have Jurassic Park three at number five. Yep. You have Fallen Kingdom at number four. You have uh, Jurassic World at number three. Lost World at number two and Jurassic Park at number one. Now, was this your ranking? So when you were writing this article, had you did you have a ranking in your head or? Yeah, or this, this has been this has been pretty set in stone every single time a new movie comes out, even though I think I've come to appreciate certain installments more than I might have before. It's pretty much always been this order as each new one hits theaters. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So when you so when you first saw Jurassic World, it was just like <laughs> like you're like, well, this is better than Jurassic Park three for sure. Yeah, but I think there's a bigger gap than that between the two movies. I feel like part of the reason a big part of the reason why Jurassic World is number three for me is 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 because of that excitement of after all this time, I finally got to see John Hammond's vision come to life. Yeah. There's there's something so I don't know like like beautifully pure and undeniably exciting about that. I mean, I was I was basically watching that movie like a Jurassic tourist. No, you were you were like Jake Johnson. You're like I got this thing on eBay. There you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I would definitely be the Jake Johnson of that movie. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited for him to come back because he was As just too funny. I don't know. It's. Um, but I, but I also like, cause I think the point of the article or like, not the point, but like, I think part of the article too, for me that I thought was really fun and interesting was like, I, I love this angle of like JP three thinking of it from Billy Brennan's perspective, yeah. which I had never, and I, I'm a huge listeners know that I've been to me, Jurassic Park three is one of the most fun movies to talk about because it's so short. So it like leaves more to the imagination and it's just such a weird movie too, but I, I yeah, never, <laughs> I never thought of that Billy Brennan angle. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a, like, I'm a, I'm a geek for film scripts and story structure and, and character growth. And it just immediately popped out at me that, you know, Billy had the, the purest in, intentions in a way, and he's the one who had the most to learn throughout the whole thing. It's like, Alan from beginning to end, as as much as I love him and Sam Neill in that role, it's it's like he knew it was a bad idea. <laughs> he had to get off the island like he did the first time around. He really he's the same guy. And I'm still very entertained by him. But 
Billy's predicament is something that I think could hit home for a lot of people. I mean, especially I, one of the lines that I do love in that movie, as cheesy as it is, is when Alan says there's there's two kinds of boys in this world, <laughs> ones that want to be astronomers and ones that want to be astronauts, because it's a very relatable concept. And I no doubt would be an astronaut like a Billy. I need to reach out and touch <laughs> it. I want to be in the middle of it. That's why I'm out in L.A. now and not anywhere else. I have to be in the thick of it. And, you know, sometimes that blind love and fascination of something can, you know, make you do something stupid, like take raptor eggs. <laughs> yeah. I love the, 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 as far as like underappreciating the comedy of JP3, I love when Billy's telling that story about his his bag and then Grant's just like wow it really does sound lucky yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I, no what I love uh, what I really love about what you're saying about GP3 and Billy is that because for me I think the hard part about JP3 as far as like being a good movie or whatever is or a good movie in the sense of relating to the rest of the Jurassic Park films is that I feel like for me for a long time it doesn't really it didn't really feel like there was a through line that there was a thematic point to jp3 but thinking about billy and like what you would do and that idea between astronomers and astronauts like all that stuff is like wow that really feels like a robust theme or you know uh, or you know at least an idea of a it theme. is and it's it's just that scary reminder that no matter how many hard lessons we learn it's you know, it's it's human to make a mistake. And that's why we need people with experience like Alan Grant in this kind of situation to help teach someone that, no, this is wrong. And, <laughs> you know, as silly as the whole situation is, it just, you know, the the fact that after the events of Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, idiots can still go to that island and do that basically tees up the possibility of actually bringing the park back in Jurassic World. It was bound to happen. That's a really good point. I, yeah, there's a lot more world building in JP3 than people give it credit for. Like setting up a world where people are ready and, you know, nobody cares about, nobody cares about dinosaurs in the ground anymore. They want to see that they want to see, uh, John Hammond's theme park monsters. Yeah. And, and overall, it's just like a, a scary truth that taps into our reality. You know, you've, you've crazy catastrophic things happen that are the scariest things in the moment. And you take it with you for maybe a little while after, but the more distance you have, the easier it is to kind of forget and make the same mistakes all over again. Oh, totally. And I think, yeah, I think all that stuff is super relevant to Dominion as more and more like, I just had a thought now of like, I wonder what people who visited Jurassic World when it was an opening functioning theme park, I wonder what they are going to think now that the dinosaurs are out of the cages. Like, is that going to be a thing of like, ah, I've already seen them already. It's a big deal. Wait, they're out, you know, like. This is going heavy into the drama, but I would even just enjoy the perspective of maybe, you know, someone who became obsessed with Jurassic World and a frequent visitor and then. I don't know, is kind of racked with guilt after all this happened. <laughs> yeah, they're processing like, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, is even, you know, ethical to visit a place like Jurassic World and I guess that's actually not something that we've dealt with too much. That's something that could be a, a good little layer to Claire, or more so, because I feel like when I feel like she made a pretty quick leap from running Jurassic to being part of the protective group. Yeah, I mean it's I feel like some of those deleted scenes from Jurassic World where she's kind of expressing yeah. some remorse, I feel like would have helped 
that bridge a little bit better. There's there's pieces. There's pieces to her and Owen that could have been more interesting. I you know, as much as I enjoy watching them and watching them lead the action and all that, you know, fun, crazy blockbuster stuff, I just I don't know. I'm I'm always gonna be hung up on the idea that the leaders of this new iteration of the franchise are just not the the characters are just not as good <laughs> as the original ones. It's interesting when all of our other franchises are focused on kind of a young new generation, whereas we're kind of plopped with two main characters who are, you know, older and are supposed to be responsible, but kind of like hate their jobs a little bit or hate. As it's like it's I find it relatable, per like personally, the idea of like, you know, working a job that you you want to be proud of, but you're kind of like. And I'm, this is not any job I have now, but like <laughs> not any job I have right now. Uh, but like that idea of sort of it's this like middle management type thing where it's like you want to be proud of your work, but you're not. And but you also want to distance yourself from your job. Mm -hmm. But you also know that you're complicit in it. It's like it's I feel like it's maybe in to your point, like maybe it's like this was almost all too much to get into for a movie about dinosaurs, you know, like you ever read uh, the Star Wars book, Lost Stars? No, I never read that one. Oh, it's it's so, so good. It's it's basically about uh, young kids in a galaxy far, far away who grow up and wind up doing things like working on the Death Star. It's like the story that I would Whoa. love is maybe just, you know, any old employee of Jurassic World and what this whole thing was like from their perspective. See, that's what I like about the that Lego series. Like it weirdly is like about huh. the daily office life working at Jurassic World. I need to watch this. I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's it's obviously not like canon in any way but weirdly there's like weird there's like tons of knowledge about the franchise that i'm like i've never seen this before like any any other jurassic related thing paying attention to canon that much i am totally gonna watch that <laughs> not that i need more things to be binge watching right now <laughs> it's we have time now i guess apparently i don't know but i keep i keep saying that but it's not entirely true <laughs> but uh oh what was i gonna say so for you do you as far as this, as far as the rankings, I mean, obviously nothing's going to top the original. No. I mean, that's the thing for me. It's almost like with my rankings, because right now my my rankings are so weird. Like I'm like, I don't I don't know it. it Because right now, Jurassic World is my least favorite. Huh. Then Jurassic Park three, then the Lost World then Fallen Kingdom, and then Jurassic Park. I mean... What, what is it about Jurassic World 3? Uh, Jurassic World that puts it below 3 for you? I just think, like, tonally, it's just not a very, like, fun movie for me. Yeah. I feel like the movie feels like a... Like, in retrospect, the movie feels very small, where the... Like, again, this idea of, like, oh, my gosh, it's a fully functioning Jurassic Park and all this stuff. But it's, like, we don't really get to see any of the exhibits other than, like, one or two. Like, the Main Street attack feels very small, where it's literally just one street. Like, I wanted to see people in their hotel rooms, like, hiding away from the dinosaurs and, like, uh, like all the dinosaurs escaping. It just, a lot, like, in retrospect, or, like, 
it feels like a lot of the movie was written around the control room. So it's like anytime they needed to fill in some narrative gaps, it's like, let's just go back to the control room. So it sometimes rewatching that movie, I can, it feels very like playing it safe, I guess, in a way. I, get to me. That. I mean, it's, it's essentially following the blueprint of the first one. And it also feels like a lot of the reason why it might play that way to you is because they pack too much in it. Yeah. It's like they they need the new um, Ellie and Grant. They need the new Lex and Tim. They need the new people in the control room. They needed Mus Rani and all that stuff. It's just like it, it's it's too much. If it was just about this new version of the park and the dinosaurs breaking out again. Yeah, that that might have left a little more time for more of the details and more more time spent with just exploring the park. Sometimes the problem with the kids is that the kids kind of feel inessential in the, in the, the kids were a big bust. And I <laughs> love those two actors so much. And I think they're very good and they did the most with what they had. But those roles were severely underwritten. And yet we have we spend so much time with them. So yeah. it's like stuff like that to me starts to to make the movie. And I think maybe for me personally, the rankings kind of change depending on how much fun it is to just watch the movie. For sure. I mean, rankings with anything can always change. That's that's the beauty of, of cinema and storytelling. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a movie can have more value to you when you're at a different point in your life because you could relate to something that you might not have been able to before. Yeah, and I'm like, weirdly, weirdly, your article, I think, tipped JP3 to to higher in my list, I think, because JP3 is pretty much always been at the bottom, like it's never really changed. Uh, And that's not for lack of not liking it, but it's just in a weird way, it's like climb the rankings because I'm finding more and more to love about it. Yeah, Um, I I can find something to love about every single one of them. And I don't think that's (laughs) I don't think that's ever going to change. I also think that the uh, the rankings are for me personally, at least, are always in the favor of the first movie. And I'm not just (laughs) saying that because obviously the first movie, I think, is an iconic masterpiece. But just in terms of being the first, I just noticed that whenever I rank any franchise, a lot of a lot of my heart is given to the movie that started started it all strictly because I like my the way my brain processes it is I wouldn't have what came next what what was eventually going to come if it had not been for that first story. You know what oh, I'm for, saying? Oh, so for it's sure. Like an unfair advantage, no matter what the quality of the actual movies winds up being. Oh, for sure. I mean, A New Hope is yeah. my favorite Star Wars movie, and as, I feel as is mine. And I feel like people who, when they rank Harry Potter more more so the books than anything, it's like if that first book wasn't that good. None of the other ones would matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very hung up on that. I also think that I I just tend to veer towards simpler storytelling. And I think it's just a typical thing with franchises that plots get more and more convoluted with every single <laughs> installment. So and, you know, when you're comparing, let's say, New Hope to Empire, I still think Empire is a phenomenal film. But there's something about the simplicity and the purity of Luke Skywalker's journey in New Hope that will always make me pick that one first. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, it's just it's it's I think it's something I even asked you or potentially back when we talked the first time. But it's just like it's so damn hard to make a good dinosaur movie. And it's it's I I don't know if there's ever a world where we're ever going to get a better 
better dinosaur movie than the original. I have a very hard time imagining it happening because I, I also I just, want it. So I, I want it to. I think it's not going to happen for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, a lot of them we've talked about already. Just the, you know, the mentality, the the bigger, the better. So go bigger, make make crazier <laughs> stories with so many different characters. And then on top of that, it's just I feel like Jurassic Park just hit at the perfect time as far as the evolution of the VFX industry was going. It was just it was like the lightning strike of realizing how to blend, you know, animatronics and CG. And we're, we're just in a different place. And it's not the filmmaker's fault. No. It's just there's not there's not that same exact opportunity to discover something that was so pitch perfect and effective and, and has stood the test of time. So what you're saying is that you need blue to skateboard in the next one. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's just it, you lightning in a bottle, all that stuff. I mean, I, for me, I, I, you know, and I'm not necessarily somebody who likes to walk in with expectations about movies or, you know, I try not to. I mean, I go in thinking I'm going to like stuff, but which is why, like, The Rise of Skywalker was so disappointing for me. It's I've never been disappointed at my first screening of a movie before oh no which is which is like so weird because yeah for me it's like i go in i love everything like the first time i see a movie i'm like this is awesome this is the best movie that's ever movied you know like <laughs> and like and it's just like that movie was playing and, I, and afterwards i was like i don't feel good right oh, now no what's happening like i've watched it a few times since and i do enjoy it a lot and it, you know it's return of the jedi for the new kids like it's fine but yeah, it was. So, yeah. So for me, in in a weird way, like as much as I love Fallen Kingdom, I, I can only hope that Dominion is better than it, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm ho I'm hopeful. I, and I, I really do. I genuinely it's not just, you know, false hope that I'm grab desperately trying to grab it right now. I, I really do think that I have a lot of faith in Colin Trevorrow as far as him you know, listening to the response and knowing he needs to build this franchise in a very specific way. And I really do think that Battle Battle of Big Rock was a sign that he was testing certain things to apply to the full feature. Ooh, I love that. We've got the receipts, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun chatting, Perry. Like, You know ugh. I'll always talk Jurassic. Any day, <laughs> anytime. I love it. Yeah, it's... It seems weird that the franchise is ending already. Like, it feels like I just got back into, yeah. like, loving Jurassic Park, being a Jurassic Park fan. It's like, wait a minute. It's this is the final one in this, you know, new trilogy. Like, we're already done. Like, it, it feels weird that it's going to be over soon. But this so is part of Hollywood we're talking about here. If it winds up cracking a billion again, you could bet they're going to make more. Jurassic World 7. Jurassic World. <laughs> wait, hold on. I'm Jurassic telling you, dinosaurs yeah. in space. I think it's going to happen. I think we're going to get that crossover. You know, I, th I think that's why they delayed Fast 9 is okay. so they could fit in a post credit <laughs> scene where where um, what's Vin Diesel's character? Uh, Dom, like Dom meets up with Blue, you know, and they oh, both God. like ride off on motorcycles together. Oh, or something. I can totally picture this happening. <laughs> but real realistically, I can picture a TV series happening, especially because now the thing is everybody's starting up their own streaming service and you need to use the brands that only you have to make 
that streaming service a must subscribe for people. Yeah, if we're going to subscribe to Peacock, you, you better believe there's going to be a Jurassic that's, TV series. <laughs> that's the thing that would get me. I Like, I've subscribed to too many streaming services as it is. If they announce a Jurassic Park series and it's the real deal green light, I will 100% give my money to Peacock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited enough for the animated series. So this yeah. like, a live action series would take me over the moon. I think a live action series is bound to happen. <laughs> and well, and then now you have this Lego series to check out. So yeah, I know. I'm glad <laughs> I have something something else to watch Jurassic right now. I need it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Westworld has kind of been curing my my Cri- Michael Crichton itch, but the Lego series is fun. And, you know, it's it's they're short, so it's not like it takes up a ton of your time. And Malcolm comes back and he has a fan club, so it's well, very surreal. that just speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, where can people follow you and check out all the things you're doing in your Patreon and all that good stuff? Oh, boy. All over the place. Uh, I write for Collider all the time. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at pnemeroff. I have my own YouTube channel. You could just search my name and all the links to the Patreon campaign are over there. And yeah, lots of Dewey pictures on Instagram. Check them out. Yeah. yeah. Go back and listen to, God, that was probably like three years ago now, your episode <gasps> of the Percast. It, it might have been, yeah, it might have been closer to three and a half because I believe we did that in my old apartment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.